Delete Facebook. You've been thinking about it for a while and you're not alone. That private thought became a full-blown civic movement this month. The Cambridge Analytica scandal revealed the extent to which our personal information has been sold by Facebook to a variety of unscrupulous third parties. Just this weekend, we learned that company harvested, as they describe it, private information from more than 50 million Facebook profiles without those individuals' permission, raising questions about how Facebook protects user data and how that data was used during the last presidential election. The scandal burst into view when journalists from a UK television network went undercover to interview the CEO of Cambridge Analytica. The company, which had deep ties to the Donald Trump campaign, bragged about how they gained access to the personal information of 50 million Americans. The two fundamental human drivers mm. um, uh, when it comes to taking information on board, uh, effectively, are hopes and fears, and many of those are unspoken and even unconscious. You didn't know that was a fear until you saw something that just evoked that reaction from you. Right, right. And our job is to get, is to drop the bucket further down the well than anybody else, to understand what are those really deep-seated underlying fears, concerns, there's no good fighting uh, an election campaign on the facts because actually it's all about emotion. That information was used to craft fake news that was specifically tailored to manipulate voters during the last presidential election. This isn't the first scandal involving Facebook. The misuse of private data has become an almost routine feature of the company but it was Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg's anemic response to this scandal that outraged the American public. So this was a major breach of trust, and, and I'm really sorry that this happened. Um, you know, we have a basic responsibility to protect people's data, and if we can't do that, then, then we don't uh, deserve to have the opportunity to serve people. Zuckerberg's non-response unleashed, poetically, a new hashtag across social media, delete Facebook has now become a rallying cry for those who have learned the terrible truth. Facebook is free because you are not a consumer. You're the product. The company has become one of the biggest advertising companies in history by creating a platform that has sucked up the personal information of a billion people across the globe. Then they sold that information to the highest bidder. But long before the Cambridge Analytica scandal, there were plenty of reasons to reduce our use of social media. It's making us sick. There's a growing body of evidence that shows social media contributes to an increase in anxiety, a decrease in self-worth, and of course, sleep disorders. Angela Lockwood joined me in episode 54 to discuss how people can learn to disconnect. Angela is the author of the book Switch Off, how to find calm in a noisy world. She told me that most people think it's nearly impossible to reduce their use of social media. You know, people need to know how does this apply into my real world? Mm. You know, it's fine to have all these strategies and tips and techniques, but if we can't actually say, right, well, I am busy, I am tired, I'm feeling way overconnected, overstimulated and overwhelmed, 
how in the world do I do this when I've got, you know, three children, six children, a husband, a wife, you know, all these other competing demands tell me how I can do it. And that's why Switch Off is a really practical book, exactly written through the frame of this is how you do it. And so that whole sense of overwhelm ties into what we were just talking about, that because there is so much we're cramming into our lives, there are so many things to do. What often happens is, is we don't know what to do with it all. So there's a couple of things we do. We either don't make any changes at all. We just sit and just keep going the way that we go. And that's when we get really burnt out. Other ways, what we do is when we're so overwhelmed, we have a huge meltdown and we just go, this is all a bit too much and I'm sick and I'm just going to have to crash and burn right now. And again, you can hear the two, whether or not, you know, we keep going and push on or whether we give up. Unfortunately, the outcome is often similar. We get sick mentally or physically, and it's not a great outcome. So that sort of feeling very overwhelmed is is around choice, but it's also about the amount of stuff we're trying to cram into our day. So we're talking through the three O's. We started with overconnected. We're talking about overwhelmed and overstimulated we'll get to next. But overwhelmed, you talk about people who will either just keep doing what they're doing and feeling overwhelmed and too much and not setting boundaries and forgetting to flick the switch or people who will just crash and burn and have a little meltdown or, or a breakdown, why are they the two options? Are we not very good as, is it human beings or is it modern human beings or is it Western world? Are we not very good at gauging where we are emotionally? I think we're getting better. I will say that we are getting better. We're very much more aware that our, our bodies and our minds are so deeply connected that what happens in our body is you know, often manifests in the mind and vice versa. We are becoming more aware of it, particularly when we see a lot of wellness holidays and people going on retreats increasing each year. You know, the wellness industry is a billion, you know, multi-billion dollar industry Isn't it? because people are, it's huge. Um, luckily, you know, luckily. It's <laughs> Lucky for you. The, yeah, it is in the space that I'm in, <laughs> but what I don't want to see is return customers, right? I yeah. want to see people who are, uh, you know, solving solving the things that are happening in their lives and can continue to do that, not just going you know, on escapes, which is unfortunately sometimes what we do is we escape our reality, we come back and we realise it's all still there and nothing's changed. But that's a whole nother conversation. But what I really see overwhelm, that sort of overwhelm sense is, comes down to is our inability to prioritise what's important. So I'm going to say that again. So the first one around being overconnected is really around not being able to set boundaries strong Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. The second one about being overwhelmed is around not being clear around our priorities. So what are the things that are really important to do and what's the stuff, other stuff we can get rid of? What's the other stuff that we don't need to be focusing our attention on? And that's all those little nitty gritty things that, you know, we often just mess around with when we're bored. That's great advice. How can I really truly work out what lies at the heart of David Frizzell's priorities? How can I peel back the layers of what's vying for my attention and work out what truly is what I care about? Look, some people will talk about looking at your values and some people will talk about, you know, going sort of more Mm self-exploration. They're probably the easy way that I would say that everyone can do, um, no matter how much time you have or where you are is you actually just slow down. And what I mean by that is when you are feeling like you're in this sense of overwhelm, 
it needs to be your cue. So what I mean by this, sorry, is that sense of overwhelm is that your chest is tight, mm-hmm. your breath's short, you're holding, you're, sometimes you're holding your breath, your shoulders are up, you're getting tension in the back of your eyes, in your head. You can feel when you're getting too much. You just, you just feel like you do want to escape. And it's that moment where you're starting to feel those physical triggers and those sort of sometimes emotional triggers when you actually need to take a step back from everything by doing that, what you're doing is you're not getting caught up in sort of this whirlwind of stuff that's going on for you. And when you take a step back and you sort of slow it down a little bit, what you're doing is you're getting perspective on what actually is happening in your life. And what, when you do that, you actually literally look at your to-do list Mm -hmm. And when you can take a step back from it and look at it almost like an overarching sort of way, you'll see the things that are really important will actually jump out at you. But what we try to do too often is we get bogged down in, oh, my gosh, I've got 50 things to do and how am I ever going to do that? And that all just keeps ruminating. But when you can actually take a big, deep breath, step back and go, right, what is going on? What is my priority right now? The answers often jump out at you pretty clearly. That's great advice. It makes sense rationally, but if I'm in that state of overwhelm where I can't take a deep breath, my chest feels tight, and I'm just highly anxious, the ability to to even remember to slow down, to remember to try and slow down, let alone to actually be able to slow down and get some perspective, that's a real challenge. It is, and it takes practice. Yeah. So it's not like one day you go, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed and, you know, (laughs) let's just take a breath and life's good. It's a good place to start. And I talk a lot about habits around, we need to really create healthy habits. And I even go into a lot more detail in the book around creating a habitat for health. So an environment that supports all of this and how do you do that? But exactly when you are in this constant spiral of overwhelm, knowing how to do it and having even sometimes the courage to do it, can feel like it adds to the overwhelm, like it's another thing to do. So what I do encourage people to do is to listen to what other people are telling you. (laughs) Sometimes your partner is telling you you need to slow down. Sometimes your employees are going, man, like you're looking stressed or you're looking tired or, you know, it's these sort of cues that we really do need to start to listen to. Hmm. And when we can do that, we don't often have to make the decision ourselves. Unfortunately, when, um, when we stop listening to people and we don't take the time to listen to what's going on, sickness does set in and our bodies force us to take that step back and get perspective. But what I encourage people to do, don't wait till you get sick, don't wait till you get burnt out, add these little tiny habits into your day and you'll find it'll get easier over time and it gets easier quickly. Switching off and slowing down sounds like an impossible dream for most people trapped in the hamster wheel of modern life, but it is possible. You can leave the phone out of the bedroom at night. You can delete the Facebook app. Taking a few small steps will eventually lead to profound change. I hope you enjoyed this bite-sized portion of the Team Guru podcast. We'll be back next week with an interview episode. I'm David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.